Listening Dog Media. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper. Hello, this is the Offside Rule Podcast 3. I've got Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay joining me, Lindsay Hooper, once again to discuss some topics in football. Uh, remember, you can follow us on Twitter for all the latest updates. It's at Offside Rule Pod. Go there and get clicking to follow. And we may even follow you back. Um, anyway, we'll get on with today's show. Um, we've got three topics. One of them, by the way, straight away, girls, I hate to reveal this to you, I'm binning. Uh, we're going to hold what? on to it. What? Oh, Shambles. We have to be a reactionary podcast. And of course, in the early hours of the morning, uh, we learn as we're recording today that Roberto Di Matteo has been sacked from Chelsea off the back of losing in the Champions League last night, 3-0 to Juve, who played very well, I thought, by the way. Um, I want to do a reactionary uh, debate to that news, first of all. But uh, just to tease people of what's coming up, we're also going to talk about um, rivalries, new rivalries, old rivalries, one-sided rivalry in football, things that have changed over the past. I'll give you an example. Manchester United versus Leeds. In Manchester United's eyes, Hayley, you're going to have to give me the verification on this. No longer are Leeds your big rivals. Who? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So we're going to go along those lines um, because to Leeds, obviously Man United's a big fixture, but to Man United, they probably think more about City now and potentially Liverpool. Liverpool's still a big game. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <Some> <laughs> and finally, um, we always have a jovial topic to end with, an encounter with a Premier League footballer or club. This should be interesting, ladies. And we put a warning out there already that we will not be held responsible for our stories. The female take on football. So let's be reactionary. Um, Roberto Di Matteo won the FA Cup for Chelsea, also got them the Champions League trophy, that trophy that Roman Abramovich has wanted so much for so long. And people would argue got him the job 
Um, he has got a contract that lasts much longer than six months. Not that we would believe that. But he has been given his marching orders. It seems like an absolute disgrace when you take those into consideration. But we do know Abramovich likes to throw his toys out of the pram occasionally. Um, he's had a bad four weeks, a few bad results for Chelsea in the Premier League that leaves them sitting third in the table. I don't know. Um, and also the Champions League, of course. Juve were just too good last night. And I know, Hayley, we'll start with you because you do all the Champions League football what was your reaction? Did you think that he would go so soon? Absolutely not. I think we always knew that that was going to be a massive game for Chelsea. We knew that it was all very close within that table, the table, a group of death. Uh, well, not quite death, but, you know, it's just football. But for Roberto Di Matteo, going into that game, he probably thought he was going to come away with something. And if nothing, at least his job. I mean, come on, when you look at it, he will be or was the seventh man to take control of the club in nine years. Um, yeah, 3-0, a very, very solid Juventus-looking side it was. And it wasn't that Chelsea didn't play a good game of football. They just weren't as good as the opposition on the night. It's as simple as that. I really, really feel for Roberto Di Matteo. And to have lost his job and be told at 4am in the morning, in the office, after that, I just think is, is really quite shocking and upsetting. Hayley, also, um, we've got to remember that Di Matteo has shipped out the old guard. You've got no drug buzz. You've got Terry out injured. Lampard's not been playing. He did play a different formation last night where he was relying on the likes of Hazard and Oscar and relying on that midfield cre- creativity. What Juve showed was the, the defence that they had and Perlo in particular, the way he dominates play. It just looked to me like they, he was trying to play a big boys game. He needed that experience, but that's not down to him, is it really? These players, they've shipped on and that's partly down to Abramovich as well. I think it's a real shame when you are a manager, you have your ideas, you know what you want. You have somebody above you, a chairman, the man that is pulling the strings, and I think it's fair to say that Abramovich is, bringing in players and it hasn't been the manager's decision to have brought those players in and he's having to deal with that and the situations as best as he possibly can. I've loved Eden Hazard. He's been my signing of the season. Uh, Oscar has been brilliant in the Champions League, not so much in the Premier League. I think he's got a wonderful collection of players. He has had injuries, of course. There were players maybe coming to the end of their time at Chelsea. I know Ashley Cole hasn't been particularly happy, but when you have all these players that he has been relying on, uh, or Chelsea have been relying on for the last few seasons, that have all of a sudden maybe coming to the end of a run of things. You've had Lampard with, of course, injuries, and you haven't quite got the stability there and maybe deep down, you know, as a manager, you you have the backing of the players and you are a real players manager, but you might not quite be the flavour of the month or the flavour of the season with the, the people who've appointed you. He probably knows that Abramovich wanted to bring in a bigger name, if you know what I mean, which is, is a really horrible position to be in as a, as a manager. To play devil's advocate then, Kate, um, let's talk about Di Matteo and the fact that he's going to have a big payoff. I mean, was he really expecting anything else? It did seem like the awarding of the job was sort of a pat on the back from Abramovich to say thanks for getting me the Champions League trophy. Um, And also, let's just point out that although there have been all these managerial switches, you know, seven or eight times at Chelsea in the last however many years, they've still won a lot of silverware. So do they need to have a stable manager? Of course they do. Getting the Chelsea manager's job is like the kiss of death as far as I'm concerned. You go on a particular run, and for Di Matteo, it was obviously winning the FA Cup and the the Champions League. League 
and he gets awarded with this two-year contract. But where on earth does Abramovich think he's going to go after that? He's reached the, the kind of crest of a, of a wave and there's some rebuilding that, that needs to be done. Drogba was shipped out and Elka left. Obviously, problems with Lampard, uh, Terry um, with injuries too, and also all the other off-the-field stuff going on with John with, with John Terry clearly means that there needs to be a bit of rebuilding going on there. So where on earth does Abramovich think that Di Matteo is going to go after reaching those dizzy heights? I've just found an online poll here uh, on the Telegraph and it says that 84% at this moment in time, 84% of fans say that Abramovich was wrong to sack Di Matteo. Now that's an incredibly high percentage I'd, it's a tricky position and the really tricky thing about it, not necessarily the squad, not the club, not the position that they're in in, in the table, it's the owner of the club. We'll leave it there. The female take on football. Um, MK Dons versus AFC Wimbledon. Who would have thought many light years ago that that would be a massive rivalry? But it is nowadays, and that's inspired us to talk about rivalries. Um, we've already mentioned Manchester United against Leeds no longer being a big tie for the red side of that equation anyway. So let's talk about other rivalries. I'm going to start with you, Kate Borsay. Well, I've gone for... Um, it's just a lovely story, this. I, I just love it when football gives us really nice, wholesome, worthy stories. And I'm going to go up to the Scottish Division 3. Obviously, Rangers uh, are featuring there after all their financial woes and, they, um, and they're going on you know, still at the moment. But what this has uh, reinvigorated is a very, very old rivalry between them and Queen's Park Football Club. Now, uh, the two um, grounds are about four miles apart there in Glasgow. And um, the tie was actually known as the original Glasgow derby. Back in the day, Queen's part were actually a better thought of team than uh, Rangers were but they were always sort of bucked against turning professional Rangers went and turned professional and did you know incredibly well in history's history's written all the rest up for us Um, but Queen's Park are still amateur now they um, played each other back in October. Uh, they got a crowd of just under 50,000, the largest Scottish Division Three crowd ever. And I just think it is a wonderful, wonderful tale to have Queen's Park there in the third division and this wonderful rivalry renewed and reinvigorated as well. And what a lovely, lovely story. OK, Hayley. Mine's stating the obvious, I think. Uh, it's a shift of rivalries from Manchester United and Leeds and United and Liverpool to Manchester United and Manchester City. It's been one of these rivalries which has given us other little stories and plots and fun things to follow on Sky Sports News. I say fun, others would probably disagree. (laughs) But historically, United have always been uh, the bigger club, more successful, and that has changed in recent years, of course. The last game of the season, at the end of the season, with United and Manchester City, watching that on that split screen, it was just quite simply, and I don't like to use this word too much, unbelievable. It was just madness. Who'd have thought it? If you'd have told Manchester City fans five years ago that they would have this new team, Berta Mancini in there, this owner with ridiculous amounts of money, list off the players that they have, the squad that they have, the fact that they then have Carlos Tevez. Wayne Rooney at some point actually wanted to go and play for them instead. Yes, that's true, allegedly. (laughs) And that they go on and win the Premier League. 
and they do it by beating Manchester United. It comes down to goal difference. It is just an unbelievable story. The whole welcome to Manchester signs that were put up and then graffitied and taken down and put up again. And yeah, the story with Tevez going and playing, they're actually doing wonderfully brilliantly. But I just think the shift in power, uh, which is only temporary at the moment, you can't buy history. Let's not forget that. You have Arsenal, who do have history. Liverpool. Like a true Manchester United fan. <laughs> yes, that is it. Fans will, of course, debate when the tipping point occurred, but it was obviously when 2008-2009 season, when, of course, they got all this money, they were able to buy the squad and buy the championship. Some people have said before that could never happen. Chelsea proved it has. I just think it's really, really exciting. I can't wait for the game on December the 9th, which is coming up, which also happens to be my birthday. And it's the Etihad City up against United. And that is the one game, as a Manchester United fan, you look out for. It isn't Liverpool anymore, albeit I love watching Manchester United-Liverpool. I've been to Anfield many times and the atmosphere is just unbelievable in a game like that. And again, always feisty excitement. Uh, Leeds United. Yes, of course, they had that game a couple of years ago and they knocked Manchester United out of a cup. United have done the same to them. I went to Ellen Road not too long ago and the rivalry is still there. But as you had said a little earlier, Lindsay, it's all from the Leeds United fans. I just think it's so exciting what we have in Manchester at the moment. The split between the blue and the red, between the families, between friends. It is fun. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh, Kate, did you make a mental note? December 9th, present for Hayley. Um, <laughs> you know what I actually did? <laughs> I actually thought in my head, in fact, I'm just going to write it down. Uh, that is how <laughs> girls think, you see. Um, we'll go on to topic... Oh, no, I've got to do mine. Yeah. We won't go into topic three. Uh, so we're going to talk League Two and we're going to go to a part of the country that isn't renowned for its sporting prowess, uh, really down south. So we're talking Plymouth Argyle. Exeter City and Torquay United, who all this season are playing in the same league. This hasn't happened for many years. Um, and the rivalry down there is huge. It's a derby, isn't it, that? <laughs> it is. Um, please don't send us abuse for that impression. <laughs> please don't send us abuse on the offside rule pod or just direct it to at Kate Borsay on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a rivalry to have in League Two. And suddenly it spices up that league no end. Um, and Torquay United fans, we've got some very uh, vocal ones within our department here at Sky, actually. So excited. So excited to be the top Devon team. Um, and I love that rivalry. So that's the rivalry I'm going for. But we'll jig on, jig on to topic three. This is an encounter with a Premier League footballer or club. I'm going to start just purely for the fact that I'm stealing my friend's story. Um, and this isn't my story. I'm stealing someone else. Sort of. Um, I won't name her, but um, a friend of mine who has no interest in football, really, um, very, very refined young lady, has lovely um, ginger locks of hair. This is important to the story, Kate. (laughs) Yes, we do. Um, Because it's a talking point for her and it gets a lot of people interacting with her because of her, her lovely ginger locks. And this happened at Chelsea Football Club where she had a summer job. She went in knowing nothing about football. Um, We're talking quite a few years ago, by the way. And she was in the lift and she is a very helpful sort. And there was an old gentleman in the lift and he said to her, love your ginger hair and started talking as they always do with my friend. She always gets talking to everybody. And she had a little nice chin wag and he said, obviously feeling like they got on really well. Do you know where my office is? And as the lift stopped at the next floor, she held it open, shouted to a man just walking by, excuse me, can you help me? This old man doesn't know where his office is. It happened to be Ken Bates. (laughs) 
Uh, uh, in family fortune style. Um, yeah, I, I, it made me laugh for days, this story. And you have to know her a little bit to know how innocently she would have done that. But she obviously had a face in her hands and she had to go up to that office and apologise because her department leader made her. Um, and I just thought, bless her. But we'll move on. Um, who Go on, show of hands, who wants to go first? OK, so this is a bit of a sinister one, actually. It's not a nice tale of meeting a Premier League player or, or players, as it so is. So... Myself and a friend, uh, um, my friend was launching a pop career. She was signed with um, a big label. And uh, part of that meant that we, um, she took me along to various openings of. And it was an opening um, of a club in the centre of town. And there were quite a few footballers there. These things were always a bit preconceived opening of a new club. Uh, you know, it's all a bit everyone's out for what they can get. The guy from OK is taking photographs and stuff like that. And I'm standing kind of in the background whilst my friend does all the poses, the hands on the hips and the and the crotch thrust thing that you do and the, the eye open and the hang on, the crotch thrust. Yeah. Hayley, do you know about this? I need to practice this one. <laughs> OK. I'll leave you to just imagine that. It's it's kind of where you thrust your boobs and your crotch kind of for anyway. So we're <laughs> sat there having having a lovely time. Um and I'm gonna call these two players who played for the same club um and have been known to grace uh, the international team as well, the England international team, Tweedledum and Tweedledee. You'll have to work out for yourselves who they are, because I ain't saying. So uh we noticed that Tweedledum and Tweedledee are there chatting away fine suddenly we get approached by Tweedle D (laughs) (laughs) and uh, he comes over and says hello and we make small talk off he goes back to Tweedledum a little bit later on uh, I'm on my own my friend is in the loo and Tweedle D comes over says "Uh, uh, I wonder if in fact this is way too posh he basically says uh, would your mate like to get off with my mates uh, and I said, well, I don't know. She's engaged, so probably not, no. <laughs> My friend's management team were there, and they were also kind of trying to push it forward a little bit as well. Um, I'd had told Tweedledee what I did for a living and what my friend was doing. She was launching a pop career. Um, and Tweedledee basically said, in no uncertain terms, if you can set up your friend and my mate, Tweedledum, the footballer, um, I will make you very famous. Uh, to which I was like, oh, really? Will you now? I don't think so. Thank you very much. He said, well, what about your mate? I can make her famous too. And I was just so taken aback by the gall of this man. And I said politely, I don't think so. Thank you very much. You can go back and tell your mate he's not got a cat in hell's chance. Off he goes back to Tweedledum and the two of them, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, stick by each other's side all night. There are various women throwing themselves at Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And me and my friend sit there very, very cockily, knowing that Tweedledum wanted a piece of my friend, but he didn't get it. (gasps) Love that. Me too. He just wanted to marry a pop star, did he, Kate? <laughs> I don't think he, think he wanted to marry her. Oh, oh gosh. Please don't hate me out there, Liverpool, City, Leeds fans, but this is a Manchester United story. Just the history of the club runs through the blood, so the girl's <laughs> got to bring it home, OK? United attempted to make history, become the first club to defend the Champions League but it ended in failure against Barcelona in Rome at the Stadio Olimpico. I was there working for the in-house club channel MT- MUTV. Not MTV, that would have been way cooler. <laughs> I'd have loved that. Um, but yeah, so I'd worked there for four seasons. 
I was into my third season, had an absolute blast. We got to travel with the team. Weren't many girls that worked at MUTV. Uh, There was myself and another girl called Mandy Henry. So we were presenting and reporting throughout uh, the tournament, uh, the Champions League, and it got to the final. We went to Rome, big group of us. I had a lovely dress on that day. This is important, by the way. Lovely little wrap wrap over dress. It was 30-odd degrees, lovely, beautiful summer's day. I've been hot and sweaty both the day, doing lots of reports, done mix zone afterwards. The day ended very late into the night. We were absolutely shattered. Um, The day ended in defeat. There was not going to be any great parties, so to speak. Um, With all the guys that we worked with, um, they went off and did their own thing in Rome. David Gill and a few others from the club had asked Mandy and I, because we were two girls and we're kind of there, you know, and they liked to look after us, which they did very well at Man United, asked if we would like to go back to the team hotel because the players and the staff and their wives and girlfriends and families were all having a bit of a party. So we decided we'll ditch the boys we work with. They can just go out and do what they want. (laughs) We're going to the party. So we decided to go there. We had a good few drinks, a Prosecco. The champagne wasn't flowing because they'd suffered defeat, but the Prosecco was pretty good. Uh, Lots of the players were up dancing. As the night went on, various people decided to go off to bed, what have you. Um, There was about maybe 30 of us left. These included the likes of, I don't know, I think Darren Gibson was there, little Danny Welbeck. Not so little anymore, bless him, little Danny Whizzle. Yeah. Where's Brown? All the all the boys that like to have a, a little bit of a drink and a bit of fun. Darren Fletcher, Ronaldo was there dancing with his mum. Uh, Rio was in charge of the music. This was on a roof terrace. Now, I'd been in the same dress from about nine o'clock in the morning. This was about three o'clock the following morning. I'd had a few drinks. Um, not got drink problem, but I was holding a drink. <laughs> If you follow me on Twitch, I do go out quite a bit. But, you know, single girls, I had a drink in my hand. But there's no drink problem. No, just a problem. I like drinking, but they don't go together. I unfortunately slipped on the dance floor because I had had one too many. I tried my hardest to keep hold of the drink in my hand. And as I fell to the ground, unfortunately, champagne glass crushed into my hand. Uh, But that wasn't the issue. The issue was, as I'd gone down, I was concentrating so much on holding on to this drink, (laughs) which had just been topped up because I felt I still needed more at three o'clock in the morning. My dress, which was a lovely wrap-over dress, flipped up and unwrapped. So I was on my front, on the dance floor, with my practically naked bum out there. Now, I'm a wearer of Spanx every now and again. Thank goodness I didn't have them on, because I think that might have been worse. I'm not sure. Bare bum, Bridget Jones knickers. Not sure. I was absolutely mortified as I stood up in pain with blood literally dripping off my elbow by this point from my hand. I kind of snuck off to the toilets. I thought I snuck off. Hadn't really, because Wes Brown and a few of the others decided to start singing. She fell over. She fell over. And until everybody joined in, including Karen, the press officer, uh, John and Matt Peters, the photographers, and I hid in the toilets thinking, oh, God, how am I ever going to come out of here feeling OK about this? I was absolutely mortified, mortified. And I hadn't just fallen down and there was a brief flash of bottom. It was I was down for quite a while. The lovely player came into the bathroom to help me out with a first aid kit. Okay, and some bandages. It was Cristiano Ronaldo. He felt so bad for me. And of course, he's used to this, isn't he? Diving all over the place, standing up, (laughs) 
coping with embarrassment, having to go back out and face the crowds. So naturally, he came in to help me and actually looked after me very well. He even picked the lump of glass out of my hand, wrapped up my hand, dragged me back out. His mum, she was biffed off the dance floor and he decided to have a bit of a dance with me to make me feel a little bit better about this really embarrassing story. Luckily, he left Manchester United after that and I didn't have to see him again because I'd have just been mortified. I don't think there are many podcasts where we're going to end on your bare bum flash and Cristiano Ronaldo coming to the rescue, but I love it. We've had a lot of bum stories. <laughs> a lot of bum so, stories, yes. So a few bottom stories. Um, get thinking for next week, girls. We'll reconvene for another Offside Rule podcast. And thank you very much for listening to this one. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. And there is a Facebook page you can like as well. I'll give that a plug. Uh, see you next week. The Offside Rule. We get it with Lindsay Hooper.